the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems today. And uh, well, I did a I did an interview in the in I guess it was Boston.com the other day, and the question was, what happens to cars that are frozen in the snow? And I gave them my answer, but what I also noticed was there's an awful lot of people that don't need their cars. I've driven by, I don't know, it seems like hundreds of cars that are just just covered in ice and snow that I think are going to be there till springtime. So it just seems like, I don't know, I need my car every day. I don't, I don't know what it's all about. Hey, on the phone with us is our buddy Gary Jafarian. Uh, Gary's going to join us every month. And uh, this month, my question to Gary was... You know, um, you got a good family business up there, but you know, you hear about all these other dealerships, these huge dealerships. You know, how do you how do you set yourself apart, Gary? How do you how do you look at what you do versus what some of these giant corporations do? Well, good morning, John. That, that, that's a great a great question, and it's becoming uh, more and more of a not a challenge, but uh, the business has changed with these corporate uh, corporations taking yep. over and buying automobile dealerships. As we know, you know Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway just bought one of the dealer, the largest dealer groups in the in the country, and the business has changed. However, um, what that does is we actually stand out even more so and in a better way, um, which goes back to our culture and putting the customer first. You know, being a fourth generation family owned business, it's an advantage. We have an advantage in the marketplace because we're kind of an oasis in the in the field of dealerships when a customer comes into shop and continually we talk about raising the bar and customer service you know the service industry bar unfortunately in this country is not as high as we'd like it but we strive to continually push our bar up and up so that the level of our service is well above the norm you know and, and no matter where, how high we get we still continue to, to push for more and part of that is always making sure that we put the customer first. And today we hear <clears throat> other dealerships and businesses trying to reach out to the consumers and say, you know, we're going to listen to your needs, we're going to put you first, we're going to give you an open book. Well, at Jafarian, our slogan today is, we were the first to put you first, because we've been doing that from day one. We've always had a full disclosure, open book on what we share with the consumer uh, prior to the Internet and everything else. Mm. So that that's part of what we do, and... Just yesterday, actually, on two instances, uh, two couples came over to me, and I try to meet the customers when I'm there, and they, uh, one customer said, we, this is the third dealership we came into today, and the other two dealerships were nice to us. They weren't, not that they were impolite, but your people actually listened to what we, our questions were and addressed our needs. That's why we're purchasing a vehicle from you today. And the second couple came over, and it was a very similar conversation, how they had been to other dealerships and weren't treated poorly, but just didn't feel that the the employee, salesperson, sales management team had the customer's best interest at heart. So we continue to make sure that the, that's how we come across. Otherwise, we don't survive in this competitive competitive environment. Yeah. People, I- buy, you know, people buy from people. You know, you can. It doesn't matter if someone's a big corporate giant or not. It's when you come in to purchase that vehicle. It's does the customer feel that you, that the dealership and the salesperson, appreciates the customer's needs and is willing to listen and deliver a product that meets their needs. And, and I would think it's also the skill of your salespeople as well as your service personnel, but your salespeople just being informed about what you have for sale. I, I've you know heard from a lot of people that go in and they go car shopping and they come back and they go, you know, they were nice people, but I knew more about the car than they did. And that's what, yes, and that's part of our training and, and putting the customer first culture is educate, educating our people, sales and service people, what the, what the incentives and programs are. So each, when a new program comes out, each one of our salespeople um, have a copy of that that they carry with them. Mm. So if someone comes in, for example, and they're looking for a Volvo S60, uh, the customer, the salesperson would say, well, by the way, if you look at this one, I have 0% on this model or low interest lease on this model. If you'd like to look at this, I can show you our best deal in the same way with a Toyota. And we also price our used cars that way. We always have a half dozen specials up and the salespeople go to the website they're trained to go there so that they know 
when a customer comes in, we can say, hey, these are our cars that are on sale today. Mm. Um, and again, that's putting the customer in the driver's seat. If we don't listen and meet what their wishes are, we don't, we're just another dealership. And yeah. that's, we can't be. Yeah. You know, it's very, very, very competitive out there, more so than, you know, any other business. And if we look at the business model of many years ago with General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler, it proved not to be the best model as over the last few years they've thinned out the number of dealerships that are there because the markets were over-dealered and dealers couldn't survive. And uh, we are continuing to survive. And not only survive, we're growing. Our customer satisfaction ratings continue to be through the roof. We, we Dealerator.com, which is one of the largest uh, nationally online dealer review sites, we maintain a 4.9 score out of 5. And we're also right up there with the new uh, Google Raider also. Mm. Uh, but Dealer Raider, we're strong 4.9. And that's huge. Yeah, we have no, to be. no, that's that's an interesting concept. I had their CEO on back a couple months ago, and just that whole idea of you know, kind of how dealerships get reviewed. But uh, you know, you have all of this going on. You want to treat your customers right. You want to treat your customers like family, and I think that's what really helps set you aside from from some of these other, like you said, it's one thing you come in and everybody's polite, but if it's still a hassle to buy a car, right. and it shouldn't be. If you're buying, you know, one of the most expensive things you're ever going to buy in your life, it shouldn't Correct. be, it, it shouldn't be painful. That's an, and that's the words we use. It should not be painful. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the other things that we continue to do that I have done on a regular basis is making sure that we have kind of an outside-in view of our operation. Mm-hmm. So... <clears throat> I retain people to shop my dealership, Volvo and Toyota side, and also shop other dealers in the area mm. so that they report to me the experience in my store as compared to the other stores looking for areas that we can maybe improve on and also where we, where, where we are well above what's out there. So we, we maintain those strong points that we have, but if we find that we've got a little glitch somewhere or something we're not as strong in as we should be, that is addressed as a result of the uh, findings from the shopping of our store. So it really gives me a good, and that person yep. reports directly to me, no one else. Gary, great stuff. But then again, if Warren Buffett came along with a giant bag of money? <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, it's, it, I guess everything's for sale. Huh? Yeah. You have to keep an open book. But we, you know, being four generations and, and, and with my kids there, it's, it's really, it's, we take a lot of pride in who we are and what we are. And the fact that we are, you know, my children are fourth uh, generation in the business. It's what we do. It's our yeah. culture. It's our passion. It's our hobby. It's our life. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, don't, know where else, I don't know where else we'd go. Yeah. What, yeah. Oh, although, you know, you could, you, you know, you could uh, buy an island maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Well, I guess that's yeah. what I say. You never know if, uh, if Berkshire Hathaway, yeah, wants me to have an island and they want this great dealership, Jafari and Volvo, Toyota, and Haverhill, they... They might end up with it. <laughs> as, long, as long as they give you a boat and plenty of fish, right? Yes, that's yeah. right. <laughs> there you go. And hey, no snow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, Gary, thanks for uh, taking time out of your Saturday and talk to you next month. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Okay. Have a great day. Take care. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye. That was Gary Jafarian. Check out his website, jafarian.com, where you can put your questions up, and he will answer them personally. Why don't we take a quick break? When we come back, uh, we may be talking to our buddy, Danny Strollo, from... In control advanced driver training. He's going to help give Marita tips on how not to run into people, maybe. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. W-R-O-L Boston. South Boston Catholic Academy is an urban elementary school serving 300 students preschool through grade 6. They instill the gospel values of Jesus Christ while creating a family-based atmosphere and achieving academic excellence. Being located on East Broadway in South Boston makes South Boston Catholic Academy an ideal choice for working families in and around the Boston community. Take a listen to what Principal Nancy Carr has to say. Children come into the school as early as 7.15 and are at school until 5.30. 
6.30 to help those families who are working in downtown Boston or in the seaport area and surrounding areas to be able to have the opportunity to drop off their children for everything that South Boston Catholic has to offer and then pick them up at the end of their workday. Be sure to find out more today. Hi, I'm Nancy Carr, the proud principal of South Boston Catholic Academy. I would love to extend the invitation to take a tour of our school. You can give us a call at 617-268-2326 or visit our website at sbcatholicacademy.org to schedule a tour. Looking for a unique dining experience that will delight the whole family at a great price? Look no further than Speta's Brazilian Steakhouse. Speta's Steakhouse is a Brazilian Rodizio-style restaurant that serves the freshest selection of hand-picked meats daily. Hand-carved from a skewer right at your table. It's an all-you-can-eat buffet that also features a huge selection of hot dishes and salad bar items all at one low price. Top it off with your choice of over 10 home-style desserts and there's something for everyone in the family at Speta's. Speta's home-style recipes from Central Brazil have been in the family for over 75 years and everything is made fresh daily. Open seven days a week for dine-in, take-out, or catering. Come and enjoy our winter special. Monday through Friday, you can buy one Rodizio and get the second half off. Come visit our new location at 35 Independence Avenue in Quincy. Reservations suggested on weekends, so visit SpedaSteakhouse.com or call 617-934-1663 today. Good, healthy, homemade Brazilian cuisine for the whole family. Only at Spedas Steakhouse in Quincy. Hello, this is Gary Jafarian, CEO of Jafarian Volvo Toyota, encouraging you to get informed and stay informed. Sign up for the weekly Ask Gary blog on Jafarian.com. Now, let's get back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Well, we haven't broken the record for snowfall yet. Apparently, we're a couple inches short, although we did bypass 100 inches of snow, and it looks like more snow coming on um, Monday, maybe. And people like Marita, who were following too close to the car in front of them, and didn't didn't think about the snow and slippery roads run into people. So I thought this was a good opportunity to have our friend Dan Strollo from In Control Advanced Driver Training on the phone with us to maybe give us some winter driving tips, even though it seems like winter should be over by now, but it isn't. Dan, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor Program. Good morning. Thank you for having me. This is news to me. I'm sorry to hear there was a uh, rear-end collision there. Well, you know, you f- you fixed a problem with my previous producer, Dennis, who was running into people, it seemed like, every other week. And uh, after he went through your program, he did pretty he did pretty well. I think, he was, I think he's been crash-free since he went through your program, so. That's what I like to hear. We'll have to work with her soon before she adopts his nickname. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what are you, I mean you're out all the time you're you're teaching uh every everybody from you know 16 year old kids to I think you told me your oldest student was in their 80s maybe um actually 94 was our oldest graduate 94 yeah, yeah. so but what are people doing wrong this time of year um well see, I want to start proactively I really wish more people would consider winter tires and uh, I don't care whether you're driving a four-wheel drive. Uh, most of the time, we can put winter tires or encourage a family to put winter tires on a front-wheel drive car, and it will outperform the four-wheel drive car uh, left and right. The, the big difference is it's not just about getting yourself moving, but when you've got winter tires on a vehicle, you can stop in half the distance. You can go significantly faster and still stay in control of the vehicle, which when you're you know, coming into situations where there's a sudden snow squall that overwhelms the road treatment or black ice that you weren't anticipating, if you have four tires that can provide additional traction, it makes a huge difference in your ability to stay out of a crash. Yeah, it, it really does. I know uh, just, in fact, I, I think I, it may have even been this week's column in the Boston Globe. In today's Globe, I mentioned that, that uh, sometime back I drove an Audi, which was which should be a phenomenal car in the winter time. I could barely drive the car to the point where I think we had a couple inches of snow on the ground. It was our 
I think, very first snowfall before our blizzard. And I turned around and brought the car back home because it just, normally a car that would do pretty well, but it just didn't have the right tires on it. A couple weeks later, I drove a all-wheel drive Jaguar with four snow tires on it. The thing was phenomenal on how much yeah. better it did in the winter. Uh, we've been fortunate because our friends at Sullivan Tire have been supporting us with tires, both for our regular course as well as winter tires, to do some demonstrations and some of our winter training. And we just did something with Channel 4 last week, and, you know, it's a night and day difference, right? You can see it. You know, the vehicle, you have two vehicles going the same uh, speed, and you slam on the brakes, and uh, one of them stops, you know, not on a dime, but pretty close, and the other one goes six, seven car lengths further, and th that's an important six, seven car length. Yes, uh, you know, and, you know, it comes down to inches sometimes is the difference between a, a crash and one that all it did was make you sweat a little bit. And you're right, if it's, a, if it's several car lengths, and it can happen at, people don't realize at such low speed, it can be 10 or yeah. 15 miles an hour. Yeah, you don't have to be traveling very fast to, to find yourself in that situation. So, you know, first, I, I would encourage folks to be proactive, and, and that's uh, tires, maintaining the vehicle, making sure that the, the tires you have uh, are safe regardless. And, and then uh, next, uh, from a proactive standpoint, and you touched on this earlier, is you got to give more distance. Um, you know, right now, I would encourage folks as well as giving significant distance between them and the vehicle in front of them, but you really, you got to slow down, and, and that includes getting to intersections and being willing to wait a little bit because too often we're seeing people kind of stick their nose out in the intersection right now with all these high snow banks and you know there's a lot more fender benders right now and, and they can be significantly damaging as well as you know personal injury if you're aggressively pulling out into these intersections because you can't see it, it, it's not fun for any of us uh, stopping and kind of inching forward until you can see safely but at least that gives the other folks on the road a chance to maneuver around you or give you some space to pull out in front of them yeah absolutely and i've, and I've tried to encourage people uh keep their lights on all the time too because somebody may see a parking light start to pull out of a uh corner of a snowbank before they see the rest of the car so just makes people that much more visible Absolutely. And when we talk about following distance, the thing I want to emphasize is there's nobody out there that gives in a following distance. I mean, it's it's sad, but I spend a lot of time driving between uh, speeches that we give or meeting with different folks to, to organize programs in their community, and I'm on the highway, and no one is leaving the proper distance. So I'll emphasize it now so that your listeners can, can have an idea of what they should be doing. Um, many years ago, I learned you want to leave one car length for every 10 miles an hour that you're going. And unfortunately, that didn't make sense then. Um, it, it, it never really worked, because uh, if you're doing 20 miles an hour, I might argue that two, two car lengths is enough. But if you're doing 50 miles an hour, five car lengths of just about any vehicle is not going to be enough stopping distance for you to avoid crashing into that vehicle. It's just, it takes exponentially further for us to stop yeah, and, and yeah, and it, you're right. And what's a car length? I'm looking out of our parking lot right now, and there's a Toyota Corolla and a Ford Expedition. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, exactly. And, and, and so at the end of the day, what we want people to do is use time. We encourage at least three seconds. And so the vehicle in front of you, as it passes some inanimate object, you've got to count off 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, and then you should pass that same inanimate object. And therefore, you're going to have at least three seconds between you. And as you're going 20 miles an hour, you'll be so far apart. And as you start going faster, you'll be further and further apart. And what I do to the, you know, you'll get a number of folks who will look at me and say, well, geez, everybody's going to cut me off. And I drive that way every day. And, you know, I still get to where I want to go. And, and maybe one of your listeners could argue with me that speeding is going to get them, you know, to their destination faster. I, I would still argue against it, but I see where they're coming from. But tailgating is only going to get you the, you know, maybe the length of one car quicker to their destination. I'd rather see you arrive in one piece and without crashing than, uh, to you're hugging the tailgate of the car in front of you. Absolutely, and, it, and you're right. You're right. It really makes sense. I drive. Uh, I drive that way uh, as much as I can, and yeah, it really doesn't change. And even people that speed, um, let's face. I don't. I don't know. You know, I don't care what kind of person you are. Typically, no matter what speed you are, it seems like you're covering fifty or fifty-five miles in an hour uh, with traffic and slowdowns. So you know. You drive. You try to drive fast. It doesn't get you anywhere any faster. No. You might. You yeah, maybe shave a couple minutes, but that's it. And, and what I don't think folks recognize is how easy it is to lose control of the car, even just a few miles an hour over the speed limit. Those numbers are not 
arbitrary. And so, mm. you know, especially on back roads, when I find out people are doing 40, 50, 60 miles an hour in a 25 or 30 mile an hour zone, we, we do a drill where at 25 miles an hour, most of the students, and again, this is any age, plenty of police officers, they're keeping control of the vehicle, but by the time we get to 32, 33 miles an hour, everyone loses control. And yeah. it's a great opportunity for us to sit there and say, hey, listen, you know, we're in a safe environment here, but if you were on a side street, what, what would happen right there? Where would you be? So um, we just, you know, the, the speed is a really dangerous thing, and if people can recognize that it's not going to do them any benefit to be going even five miles an hour over the speed limit, they'd all be better off. Yeah, and and you're right. You add, you add in that and some of the distractions that we face every single day. I know I've seen more cars off the road in weird situations in what, should be a dry roadway, but people are catching that pile of snow by the edge of the road because yeah. they're sliding off to one side a little bit. I I saw a, I, and I'm still not sure how they quite got there, but I saw a Miata up on top of a snowbank off of 95, and it had to be, the snowbank was three and a half feet high. I don't know how it managed to climb up there. And it was up to its wheel wells in snow once it hit once it came to a stop. I'm like, what what were they doing exactly in their yeah. car that got them up? And all I can imagine, they got distracted by something, the right front wheel caught the edge of the snow and and up they went. Yeah. No, it's, it, it, it only takes a second. And you know, this is again all the reasons why you need to be engaged when you're driving and you hear so much about texting and driving, but we've talked about this before. Everything from you know, if, you, if you're in uh, many European countries and you're eating a sandwich behind the wheel, you'll get a ticket. You know, you, you've got your story of somebody making waffles in the seat next to yeah. us. It, we, we don't take driving seriously enough. And, and one of the things we do as an organization in, in control is try to get out. And if nothing else, because our passion is really to work with young drivers because they have such a horrific crash rate. And uh, uh, one of the concerns I have is we've heard that numbers, you know, since about 2008, numbers finally have started to trend down a little bit. And I have a fear that that's linked uh, partially or maybe more significantly to the cost of fuel. And so, you know, young drivers may have been driving less over the last few years. It doesn't necessarily mean they suddenly became expert drivers because there haven't been that many significant changes to driver education across the country. So my fear is as we get into this summer and fuel is, is at a low for, for the last few years, if it stays this way, what does that mean to the, the crash rates? I mean, mm. we talk to trauma surgeons, they'll refer to the summer as the 90 days of death. We just lose way too many kids. So we go out and we try to educate parents on just how dangerous this driving thing is. And, uh, you know, we go to middle schools, high schools, so if any of your listeners are interested in having us come talk to them, we'd be happy to. But uh, our goal is really to get people to think twice about whether or not what they do is safe, because too often we're doing everything but driving when we get behind the wheel. Yeah, you're, you're so right. I remember talking to a uh, uh, somebody I met a long time ago from MIT, Betty Lou McClanahan, and she, she said to me, think about driving. It's speeding up, slowing down, and pointing the car. It's nothing else. And, you know, and you think about it in its most basic sense, that's really all it is. It's not talking on the phone. It's not, uh, you know, checking your hair and putting on makeup or eating or drinking coffee or whatever the case. It's speeding up, slowing down, and pointing the car in the right direction and being engaged with your driving all the time, 100% of the time. And we don't make it easy on ourselves. I mean, I am a gadget guy. I love the, the, the tech and this sort of thing. And I recently got a new vehicle, and I sit in this thing and go, if I didn't realize how distracting all these bells and whistles are, I can, you know, access the Internet. I can uh, see the weather. I can get a radar on the dash. But this is insane. I, but at the same time, um, there are folks out there who don't recognize that, you know, playing with these buttons and doing all this stuff while they're traveling it, even 35 miles an hour is a recipe for disaster. It really is. Your website is? driveincontrol.org and we didn't talk much about the training but we have a great subsidy out there right now so if any of your listeners need uh, some help financially let us know or if anybody wants to help us uh, these donations turn into more people trained so feel free to contact us but it's driveincontrol.org that's D-R-I-V-E-I-N control.org and your program encompasses classroom and actual behind the wheel uh, hands on experience right? Correct. It's a half-day program. Typically, we do some specialized training for police and other you know groups that have special vehicle needs. But generally, we offer two classes a day, and we will do uh, four and a half hours. That is, you know, mostly in the vehicle. There's some observation, and then some driving time. That's one-on-one with an instructor, and then we kind of recap in the classroom. Because to be honest, folks around in that car all day long, I think we'd lose people to you know sick to their stomach half the time <laughs> if we didn't take a break. Okay. Before we let you go, one good story of a of a student. I know you have hundreds. Uh, I- 
And, you know, you know, I'll tell you one of my favorites. I was just thinking about because we're trying, we're, we're talking to some friends in the military because uh, these these kids um, who enlist often crash early on because all their room and board is paid for, but they they might invest their money in that fancy car or the big pickup truck, and um, they we had some some families that have been affected. And I uh, we were proud to give I think it was the winners of the Ford Skills program with you for oh, yeah. uh, AAA sponsor. We gave them some gift certificates, and I got contacted by one of the winners who said, "Can I give this to my uh, fiance?" And uh, we were able to give it to her, and she contacted us that it, she actually was on her way to the airport to pick up her fiance coming back from Iraq because he was uh, uh, sent overseas, and she avoided a huge crash that she wasn't even sure she would have lived through thanks to the training. So that, that was a fun experience. And if the, you know our Facebook page, we, we get you know a message uh, or an email probably once a week now, maybe once every two weeks. I mean, we've had twenty six thousand graduates, so mm. it's really been fun to hear from people. Now, like I've tried to tell people, for less than the cost of a good video game console, or not even such a good video game console, you can go through a program that is going to be fun, you're going to learn something, and potentially save your life. Yeah, and honestly, I've, I've had these graduates, I've talked to nearly, uh, I've, I've talked to half of the people who've gone through the program, because this is one of these things, people call us up afterwards and say, I just want to tell you, that was amazing. It, it's something that we don't know, and when you do something every day, and you suddenly realize there's so many things you didn't know about what you were doing. It's really impactful. So, you know, if somebody has difficulty, we ask for $350 to take the program. That's a, a kind of our nonprofit ask. Um, but if somebody can't afford that, we try to work with them. We offer payment plans of just twenty four ninety nine a month and have partners that help subsidize. So just let us know if we can help you in any way. And the website's pretty helpful as far as guiding you. But if we can help out or if you can help us, we'd love to talk to you. Dan, thanks as always. And, uh, uh, I don't know, more snow coming, so watch out. Uh, hang in there. And I want to see your uh, sidekick, Demarie. You definitely would love to train her. Okay. All right. Thanks, Dan. All right. Take Bye -bye. care. That was Dan Stroller. Check out his website, wedriveincontrol.org. And uh, I don't know, Marita, have you ever been called my sidekick? No, that's no. not <laughs> Well, you, you run, you know, well, you run the show. Well, all right. I do the behind the scenes. You, you do all the work, though. No, I just, <laughs> I just show up. So, uh, but. Um, no, it's uh, I. I think I think the program is so worthwhile to people. It, any kind of advanced driving program that you can do that really teaches people, even things like you know, a lot of people don't realize how their anti lock brakes work. I had a I had a uh, uh, somebody who calls me and writes to me periodically. She had the same car since 1974, and she just recently bought a 2010 Buick, I think. And she's like, I don't understand how these anti-lock brakes work. I said, well, ideally, you, you don't ever need to know how they work, and they just work by themselves. But she's like, I always used to pump my brakes, and I always did this with my old car, and there's things I don't understand. And a lot of people are in that same, absolute same situation. This week's Ask Gary question was, is it true that a Volvo, a Volvo is developing a self-driving car and how could this possibly be safe? Gary says it's true. The international press conference was held last week to announce that they are, in fact, working on a Volvo XC90 that will make it possible to integrate self-driving cars into real traffic with ordinary people behind the wheel. The goal is to make them feasible, affordable, and drive safer than the safest drivers in order to prevent collisions the technology is uh, very exciting. It includes 3D maps and advanced GPS systems that can sense other vehicles, debris, and guardrails and the like. For more information on the topic, go to the Ask Gary blog at jafarian.com. And remember, Gary, like he did today, will join me about once a month to talk about uh, different things. And in a couple of weeks, we're actually talking to a VP from Volvo about things just like that. We'll be right back. W-R-O-L Boston. Hey there, it's Kurt again, your outrageously dependable interstate battery guy. It's been cold, and your battery's been struggling. And be sure it's not getting any better as you ignore it. Think about it. The battery is one of the most underappreciated pieces of equipment in your car. One you should take a minute to check. Otherwise, you and a loved one could end up stuck somewhere that's just not appealing. Get your battery checked today at an outrageously dependable interstate battery dealer. 
You can find us fast at interstatebatteries.com or call us at 800-649-3662. And remember, always ask for outrageously dependable interstate batteries. I'm a mid-century architectural wonder, a house made entirely of glass. So you can imagine my fright when giant pieces of hail started falling from the sky. Did I mention I'm made entirely of glass? Everyone was running here, running there, trying to get out of the house, but what am I to do? I am the house. Your house can't protect itself. That's why the GEICO Insurance Agency helps make it easy to switch and save on homeowner's insurance. You could save even more when you combine your homeowners with an existing auto insurance policy. Call GEICO, go to GEICO.com, or visit your local office. Have you ever sat in your church and wondered if there was more? There are three to five hundred people in your service. The choir sounds great. And as you listen, you say to yourself, I wish everyone could hear this message. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. You believe that if your church was reaching more people in Boston or New England, you could change your community. The only thing stopping you are the four walls. What if we could take down the walls? What if your new congregation had 60,000 members? Imagine that choir. The walls fall down. Your pastor would be on fire. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or imagine. 590 WEZE The Word can show you how to explore your own church outreach program. Call Basil Yard at 617-691-2531. Let the demolition begin. Hello, this is Gary Jafarian, CEO of Jafarian Volvo Toyota, encouraging you to get informed and stay informed. Sign up for the weekly Ask Gary blog on Jafarian.com. Now, let's get back to the car doctor, John Paul. Well, I left Kentucky back in 49 and went to Detroit working on assembly line. The first year they had me putting wheels on Cadillacs. Every day I'd watch them beauty And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Phone lines are open if you would like to join us at 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Let's go over and talk to Paul. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, I have a question about uh, driving in the snow. Uh, last Sunday, I, w- I was uh, in Milton on the really badly plowed streets of Milton, and I got stuck uh, in, in a snow snowbank. And uh, you know, it, it took forever to, to get out. And I was told I tried. I tried to do something which I always thought you could do is is rock back and forth between drive right. and reverse uh, in my car. Um, and I was told with the new computerized systems in cars, you can't do that anymore. No, you t- well, I mean, what happens is some cars will sense when you're trying to accelerate a little too much and you go to go from reverse to drive, it actually kind of leaves it neutral so you don't do any damage. Well, that's what seemed to yeah. happen because yeah. uh, the RPMs were very low. I had it down to the you know, yeah. floor and nothing was happening. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably because the other thing that happened, too, your car probably has traction control. It does, yeah. And what happens is when the wheels start spinning, it the traction control sort of shuts the throttle down. So if you shut your traction control off, the button for the traction control, if you shut it off, then the then if you put the gas pedal to the floor, it would spin, oh. it would spin like crazy. Yeah. But still, you don't want to, what you want to do is gently rock back and forth, reverse, drive, Gently, 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 with your foot on the brake in between before you go from reverse to drive, or else you turn your transmission into um, oatmeal, basically. So, uh, yeah. Okay, I hope yeah. I didn't do that. I no. guess it's okay, but yeah. the um, um, but it just took forever. It yeah, the old old fashioned three people pushing me yeah. out of the snowbank yeah. to really get us out. But, yeah, and um, sometimes and sometimes you can get lucky. You can do things like um, you can take the, uh, you know your floor mats out of the car, for instance. And did, put the yeah. floor mat underneath the tire that's spinning, and that's going to dig in enough to give it a little bit of traction, and uh, that may just be enough to get the tires moving. I got something in the mail uh, back before the beginning of winter, a thing called an auto sock. And basically what it is, it's sort of a uh, Kevlar-looking material, so kind of a heavy fabric, 
And what you actually do when you're stuck in the snow or ice, you wrap it around your tire. It's got a couple straps on it. And that's enough just to get the tire to dig in, to get you out of where you are, to get moving. And a uh, co-worker of mine has, has a 2009 or 10 Mazda 6, and she couldn't get up the road she lived in. That's and right. yeah. yeah, and I gave her I gave her one of these, and hers is a six cylinder version, so it's got kind of the bigger, sportier tires on it. And I and I gave her this one. I said it's it happens to be the same size as the tires on my car. Here, try this, and she sends me a note back. The auto sock worked, and but it is a little bit of a pain to put on and all of that. But it's better than being stuck in the snow. Since then, she went out and bought four snow tires for her car. And she says the car is like has been transformed. It's a hundred percent different car. But if you you know get stuck in a snowbank, sometimes I know I I buried a jeep in the snow about two weeks ago, and I shoveled for about ninety minutes, and finally gave up and had to call AAA to well, winch me out next, of the snow. Yeah. yeah. To do to do that, and um, you know, I, I I was wondering whether it was uh, uh, the, the tires I had, and right, and we had uh, finally got a. An old towel and then yep. a, uh, a a flat cardboard box, and that seemed to give us enough traction to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't take much. Like I said, sometimes it can be something as simple as you know the floor mats in the car. You know, turn them upside down so the carpet part is towards the snow, and the the little you know the little uh, you know rubber tab part is up, and that might be just enough to uh, get it to get it to move, and you know see what happens. The be- the best uh, the best car I ever had in the snow was actually. I had an old Audi in the Blizzard of 79. It was okay. 100 LS. That thing could, it was remarkable. Yeah. I mean, it, it got it, me through everything. I don't know how it was made, but it was, nothing else worked. But it well, you know, it, it's it's funny. As with, a couple things have happened. Um, I firmly believe that all season tires are not as all season as they used to be. Right. Um, and I've talked to tire folks about it. I said, you know what? You know, it used to be a good all season tire was probably... 70 or 80% as good as a snow tire in the winter. And they agreed with me, but I think now they're catering all-season tires to be, you know, like one guy said to me, well, stop thinking you live in New England and think about an all-season tire in Arizona. And I'm like, yeah, good point. It's going to be good for hot weather and then temperature dips and things like that. And the the other thing is you look at some of the tires on cars today, um, you know, we're seeing 20, 21, 22-inch wheels on tires. We're seeing these great big tires, and great big tires sometimes ride on top of the snow and don't dig in. Um, uh, a regular listener to the, to the show, uh, Steve from Boston, said to me, one of his best cars in the winter was, a, was an MG with little skinny tires on it. Probably, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. You know, the, uh, and one of the, the second worst car I ever had for driving in the snow was an old Volvo 940. Yeah. It was like a sled. Yeah. Yeah, and it really. I think a and Swedish it, car would go in the snow. It, well, well, and I remember the you know driving driving a rear wheel drive Volvo when they were rear wheel drive, and I remember everyone that ever showed up for me to road test always had four snow tires on it because well, it, that's what I did. Yeah, finally, it it you know. really it really made a difference. And like I like I said in um, the uh, the article I wrote in the Globe today, uh, Audi and Audi that would normally be really really good. You would think Audis are phenomenal cars in the winter. Uh, but with the wrong tires on it, I I literally drove by my street when I was bringing the car back home because, and I live on just uh, I wouldn't even call it a hill. It's just the road kind of goes down just a little bit. And I put on my directional. I was going ten miles an hour. I went to step on the brake and just slid right by the street because these tires were designed for nice weather and not designed for the winter. And uh, that same car with winter tires on it, I'm sure would be phenomenal. So. Well, I guess that old Audi was. Um, I think it was the design that Mercedes sent sold to Auto Union. Yeah, um, great looking car. Yeah, but had bad electrical systems. <laughs> like everything else, you probably like, know all about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, uh, you know whether it's uh, whether it's a, uh, a a car like an Audi that had their electrical system problems, or uh, you know some of the English cars with Lucas Electronics. You know. Mm-hmm. You know, isn't isn't that isn't that what they say? That's why the English drink warm beer because Lucas makes the refrigerators. I'm, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're thinking in a damn climate, a, you know, an English car would start, but yeah, exactly, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. So anyway, so that's if I had taken the um, 
traction control traction off. Traction control yeah. off uh, would have done better? You would have done better because then the wheels would have been able to spin at full throttle. Okay. But on the other hand, you may have also buried yourself in the snow more. So well, there's think, always that trade-off. Think spring. Yeah, exactly. It come about July 4th. Yeah. Well, right now, there's, right now, as I'm staring out the window at the parking lot here, there's a giant duck or goose or goose, I guess it is, walking across the parking lot. So... Oh. Yeah. How high? How high above the ground level is? <laughs> you know, it's just walking on the parking lot. So oh, it's well, but, it so maybe that's a good sign. Maybe that's a maybe that's a sign of spring. Absolutely. Okay. So. Thank you very much. All right. Take care, Paul. Bye bye. Our buddy Rick from Boston called in and said, "Well, cars that have been buried in the snow for a month with storms, when they finally dig out, what should they do?" Well, first thing is be very careful digging them out. Um. You know, excavate them like you were, like, discovering a ruin. Because um, I have seen more people, you know, chipping away at ice and snow with shovels. And you can do a lot of damage just appearance-wise. Dents and dings to the body of the car and so forth. Once you finally get the car sort of shoveled to the point where you can move it, the good news is that snow is what? What's snow, Marita? Melting. No. What is? What's it made out of? You can ask me the science of what it's made out. What's of. it made out of? <laughs> is it made out of like water? Water. Yeah, water. Yeah. Exactly. And cars are designed to be driven outdoors yeah. in the water. So frozen water around the car is not that terrible. Yeah. Now you combine it with salt, like then salt. it becomes a little more terrible. Yeah. Um. You know the the, uh, the the fellow who was on from the uh, corrosion institute last week told us all about what there what we needed to know about corrosion and salt and, and having magnesium and sodium mixed together and it becomes quite corrosive. Well, you have to watch out for that. But if your car is just encased in a snowbank and once the snow finally melts away, or you're lucky enough to get it unshoveled without doing any damage to it. One of the first things that I would look at, one of the first problem areas I would look at would be the brakes. Only because it's going to be sitting so long encased in water that the brakes could actually be a little bit rusty. Brake calipers could be rusty. Brake uh, caliper slides could be rusty. Don't use the parking brake because it could be rusty. Um, that's the biggest thing. The second thing is, if it's been sitting in the snow long enough, the battery could have gone dead, and in the temperatures we've had, I know this morning when I left the house, it was about 8 degrees, but the temperatures that we have could easily freeze a dead battery. Um, Batteries, when they are fully charged, don't freeze up in the wintertime. Batteries that go dead, the electrolyte, the acid that's in there, turns into turns into a mixture of that is less acid and mostly water and it will freeze and actually break the case of the battery and then that can do other damage. So I would look at making sure the brakes function normally but also make sure the battery is okay. If you go to open the hood of the, hood of the car and the car doesn't start so you say, well, I can jump start it. I know how to do that. Take a very, very close look at the battery and make sure the battery case hasn't broken or cracked. If it does, uh, or it is so discharged that there's hydrogen gas lingering around the battery, you could potentially have an explosion happen. So you don't want to do that. So very, very carefully look at the battery. If the battery still has some life left in it, so the dome light comes on but the car just won't crank over and the battery physically looks okay, your next step to do is to better off slowly recharge the battery. So even if you live in the city, maybe you can get a battery charger and a long extension cord and run it out to the car and slowly recharge the battery and get it up to full charge. That's going to allow, that's going to be much better for the battery or just you can spend $130 and buy a new one. But uh, you might be able to recharge that battery that went dead. So not not a horrible thing. Other than that, open the hood, see what's going on under the hood. Is the engine all encased in snow? If it is, try to get as much snow off. Chances are it's not going to be. Chances are it's just going to be maybe a little bit damp and wet. It's once it starts to thaw is where you start to have problems with condensation and so forth. So 
but chances are when you free your car up from its snowy tomb, it will probably be okay, but more than likely you're going to try to, you'll, you'll do more damage trying to get it out of the snow than you would, um, than the damage the snow is going to do to it itself. Why don't we take another break? And when we come back, I want to talk about the car that got me here today. A great big giant car, the Ford Expedition. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. If you would like to join us, 617-770-3030. And don't forget, our buddy Matt is going to be up at Michelle Mitsubishi up in Danvers today. Uh, I think he's going to be playing a little football with a Patriots player. We'll be right back. WROL Boston. St. Agatha School in Milton is a Christian Catholic community providing excellence in education in K-1 through 8th grade. The staff of St. Agatha strives to maintain a safe, positive learning environment through worship and service. Christ is at the center of all they do. And once you're part of St. Agatha, you're part of a family. I'm Maeve Westwater. I'm a 19-year-old alum of St. Agatha School. And St. Agatha's really created that sense of community for me. And I've seen some of the teachers that I had. They'll always be there for me to lend advice or anything that I need from them. Hi, I'm Danielle. Fossa, a 19-year-old alum of St. Agatha's School in Milton. Going to St. Agatha's helped me shape who I am today, and when I have kids, that's where they're going. Invest in your child's future today. For information on registration and tuition at St. Agatha's School in Milton, call 617-696-3548 or visit them on the web at stagathaparish.org. Sending me to St. Agatha's was the best thing my parents could have done for me. Be that parent. Send your kid to St. Agatha's. Hundreds of babies are abandoned on the streets of Seoul, South Korea every year. But one brave pastor has made it his mission to save them. See this powerful true story come to life when the Dropbox comes to movie theaters for three nights only, March 3rd, 4th, and 5th, with a special performance by Stephen Curtis Chapman. A portion of the producer's proceeds goes to support this pastor's life-saving ministry. Visit thedropboxfilm.com for more information. Did you see that? Pastor, you're already being heard by thousands on WEZE and WROL. Now how about being seen as well? Introducing Seeing is Believing. For a small fee of just $10 per program, you'll be viewed live on Ustream as you broadcast your program. And you'll also receive a copy of your video so that you can upload it to your own website. Seeing is Believing. It's only $10. Call Pat Ryan right away at 617-691-2521 or email patr at salemradioboston.com. Hello, this is Gary Jafarian, CEO of Jafarian Volvo Toyota and Haverhill Mass, and you are listening to The Car Doctor. Tune in at 9 a.m. the last Saturday of every month to listen to me and John Paul. You're listening to The Car Doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. We got a couple calls during the break about, hey, how do I get a hold of that in control guy? Well, their website, driveincontrol.org, driveincontrol.org, and the phone number is one of these love it or hate it phone numbers. It's 888 301 SAFE. So 888-301-SAFE-S-A-F-E or 7233 if you prefer that. So 1-888-301-7233 and you can find out everything you need to know about uh, the school and classes and when they are and how to avoid driving into a snowbank. And I promised that we would talk about the car that got me here today. And that is the 2015 Ford Expedition. It's a big SUV designed for people who need to carry up to seven additional passengers, lots of cargo, or tow a heavy trailer. The latest Expedition is powered by a twin-turbocharged V6 engine connected to a six-speed automatic transmission. The Expedition comes in several trim levels, XL, XLT, Limited, King Ranch, and the subject of our road test, the Platinum Edition. All versions can be equipped with four-wheel drive. 
On the road, this V6-powered expedition offers up plenty of power to move this nearly three-ton vehicle with authority. For those who are concerned that such a big vehicle-powered uh, vehicle powered would be underpowered, the specifications speak for themselves. The engine develops 365 horsepower and a diesel-like 420 foot-pounds of torque. All models of the expedition can be equipped to tow up to 9,200 pounds. Fuel economy is rated by the EPA at 20 miles per gallon on the highway, 15 miles per gallon in the city. Although this fuel economy may sound low, compared to the 2013 expedition, there's about a 10% increase in fuel economy. The latest EcoBoost V6 also has a 55 horsepower gain over the previous 5.4 liter V8, as well as a 15% increase in torque. So if you were saying V6 engine in that big vehicle doesn't make sense, that V6 engine develops far more horsepower than the V8 it replaced. Uh, the six-speed automatic transmission offers fluid-like shifts and does have a manual control uh, and trailer mode uh, should you need that. Our test vehicle also had the built-in electric trailer brake, uh, which is uh, quite handy if you're towing a heavy trailer. The ride was also quite good for such a big vehicle, soaking up some of the, this... Uh, Winter's worst potholes. It actually is pretty comfortable to drive because roads are awful. They're just terrible right now. Uh, the suspension can be electronically adjusted to provide more comfort or even a slightly sportier feel and ride. The new Expedition also has electric power steering, which adds a bit more maneuverability at low speeds and feels a little more connected to the road at highway speed. The electric power steering is also slightly more fuel efficient than traditional pumps. So, in other words, the electric motor... Uh, doesn't waste gas like a hydraulic one would. So all little things that Ford's trying to do to get better fuel economy. The cabin is a very quiet place to be with very little road or engine noise entering it. Uh, this is part in, in due in part to the extra sound deadening materials and the use of acoustic glass. Our test model was equipped with the latest technology to allow for easy maneuvering of a big vehicle. Backup camera reverse sensors along with blind spot and cross-traffic monitors give this big vehicle a slightly smaller feel. It's still a big vehicle. The cabin of our Platinum Edition was as luxurious as any premium sedan. The fit and finish was first rate. and The leather had a very high-quality look and feel further enhanced by French stitching. Think luxury limo. And uh, entry and exit is made easy with the addition of power retractable running boards. The rear seating area was as spacious and comfortable as the front seats. The third row seating is reasonably comfortable, although still a little awkward to get in and out of. The third row seat is also power folding to allow for easy cargo storage. So you push a button, the third row seats fold down by themselves or fold up by themselves. Uh, power lift gate allows for easy access to the cargo area. All the controls are easy to use. And over time, some of the fussy... Touchscreen controls have been replaced by, oh, what? Knobs and buttons like the old days. The much-criticized Sync MyFord Touch system is actually pretty good in this. They've done, some, they've done some changes to that over the past few years. I've never been a big fan of voice control systems, but this one actually does a pretty good job. I can push the little button on the steering wheel and say, tune to AM950 WROL, and it does it. I can say, tune to... Satellite radio, and it does it. I can say adjust the climate control, and it does it. I can say navigation, it comes up. I can give it an address, and it actually puts in the correct information, which most of them didn't. So this one seems to work pretty well. The bottom line for those drivers who need to carry up to eight passengers in both comfort and style as well as cargo and the ability to tow a heavy trailer, the Ford Expedition deserves a good long look. Add in the refined EcoBoost engine and advanced safety and technology, the Expedition should be one of your top vehicles to consider. It still comes down to that sort of, if you need a big vehicle, and there are those people that do, it's worth taking a look. What was that? <laughs> it's... Oh, I see. I see what you're doing. See, this is so, we're, I'm, we're so professional here today. Let's take a call. Good morning. Hi, good morning, John Paul. How are you? Well, uh, Snowbird is reporting back from his trip from Daytona, Florida. Oh, geez. Okay. And I went down for the Daytona 500. Good for you. How was it? Oh, uh, you got to do it. I want to do it. Uh, it's the most fun you'll ever have in February. Really? 
Oh, yeah. just to get out of town and just to have warm weather down there and get a nice hotel room on the beach and be three miles away from the track and all the snowbirds from Canada and the United States all gathering together and walk around in race jackets and race hats and race shirts. Yeah, well, uh, you know, we were talking to... Talking to a friend of mine who lives uh, outside of Daytona, uh, goes down for a couple weeks. He goes down for the 24 hours of Rolex and stays through the Daytona 500. And he said it's car central down there. He said between all the race fans and all the stuff that just shows up down there, uh, it's nonstop. Yeah, the, the NASCAR is, is great for the, the 500 because all the old race car drivers have a big reunion and they have a big uh, car parade with all their old race cars at the old North Turn where they used to race on the beach. The North Turn was yep. right off the beach. And then they have uh, like a fundraiser for their museum, like an NASCAR car auction, you know, down the, during the week. And it's just a blast. Now, now, as I seem to remember, there was a pretty good bar down at the end there called the North Turn or something, wasn't there? Yeah, it's still there. It's still there. It's like, it's like a mini uh, museum uh our uh, get-together place, uh, lecture hall for when they do the uh, old-timers to get together and they give it up on the stage and they give their little stories about race days back in the 50s. There's only one problem with your story. Yeah. My wife's probably listening. She's and, loving it. I'm and, and, and she's probably saying, I told you we should have gone. Yeah, girls love to get dressed up in those uh, race jackets and race T-shirts and race sunglasses. Oh, and they got like a mini... Uh, Candy Bee Lake Park, right on the beach, too. With a, you know, it's, it's all just. Crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I stopped into. I, I was down. I was down in Florida. And I took a ride over to Daytona and uh, uh, this past September, but it was right after a little bit of a storm and it was high tide, so I couldn't take my rental car down on the beach. But, uh, <laughs> but always, but always a good time though. Hey, hey, thanks for uh, calling in and making us a little bit jealous. Yeah, well, next next year in October, this October, stop putting some money away in the envelope. This is for our February Daytona 500 getaway. All right, I'm, you you got me convinced. All right, buddy. all right, take care. Thank you. Bye yeah. bye. <laughs> oh, now I'm in trouble. Why? It was, well, because um, the fellow who just called in said how great the Daytona 500 was and how much fun he had down there and how good it was to be on a hotel at the beach. And my wife's probably listening. Mm-hmm. So did you watch the race? A little bit. A little it bit. was a good race. I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge um, NASCAR yeah. I fan. I mean, when you, when you see somebody like Joey Logano, who's 24 years old, that wins. Yeah. And kind of a local guy. Connecticut. Connecticut, guy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so always good stuff. And, uh, you know, his family had um, sacrificed and helped him a lot. So yeah. it was a good story. Yep, yep. You know, like I said, I'm not a big fan of NASCAR. I think to make it interesting, you know, all they're doing is taking left turns. Halfway through the race, they should have to turn. Have to turn the other. Right. Well, and that's why some of the road course, like they they had NASCAR at uh, at um, Watkins Glen once, mm-hmm. and I think, and they uh, down in Lime Rock, they did that. And uh, a guy who I knew that ran the next class down, he was a former motorcycle racer. And whenever they put him, whenever they had a race on a road course, he would always do really well mm-hmm. because he was used to going left and right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, do you you're of my generation. And you lived around here for a while. You remember the old Norwood uh, Raceway? Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Drove by there this morning. Did you? It's an industrial park yeah. now. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> well, it, it's, um, you know, I'm starting to hear that term more often. What? The, of your generation. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I call it geezer talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, and and you know what? I used to, when my father used to do this, I used to say, you know, yeah. come back to us. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Even, even one day here, there was a... Uh, there was a there was a girl in here who was kind of filling in. Nikki, maybe was that Jackie? Jackie. Oh, I'm sorry, I, didn't, Jackie. I, I missed the end yeah. of the conversation. Uh, the yeah. person who was uh, uh, learning one day. Oh yeah, Jackie. Yeah, Jackie. yeah, and she said to me, "Well, your generation." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, and it sort of pained me. Just <laughs> well, if you, it makes you feel any better. It's our generation, all right. <laughs> so you're not alone, all right. John. Yeah, all right. exactly. yeah. Thanks. We're, yeah. we're all in this together. I, I just looked out and said, "I don't think I hit the the, the parking space. I think I missed the line." Have you seen so, my car? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, most most people did. I'm looking for um, a new car. Is the Expedition? Um, what does that one cost? The one you got sixty-five thousand. Nah, nah, <laughs> house was that much? I'm not doing that. That's a that's a very nice, it's a expedition. beautiful car. That's yeah. a very nice expedition. And you open, and but there's there there are 
few people who really need a car that that's that's that right. big. Yeah. I mean, if you're towing a horse trailer and you have yeah. you know a family of four or five or six, but then it's your business and you can yeah. you've got different yeah. kind of ways yeah. to accommodate yeah. that. But yeah. if I were you, I'd go out and buy another Jeep. See, I. <laughs> You know, I was kind of kidding with the expedition. I don't want anything that big. I, yeah. I, I'd like to get down one step in size. You Jeep, Jeep Cherokee. That is a Jeep Cherokee. The new Jeep Cherokee. <laughs> it's, it's down one size. Okay. The new Jeep Cherokee. All right. Well, let me you just have to decide if you like the looks of it. Because the front of it's... No, the looks I've never bought. And you yeah. know what? It's been one of the best... I've had it... Well, you know. I've had it yeah. for 11, 12 years. Yeah. It's one of the best cars I've ever had. Yeah. Probably the best car I've ever had. But it's... Um, Getting to the point yeah, where... Yeah, I understand. Yeah. There's music subtly playing in my ear. Why? Which means that yeah. I have to go and you have to go to work. I guess so. Yeah, so the very best in Irish music with Paul Sullivan Irish, in um, the Irish Hit Parade. Cape Cod Irish people will be here today. They will. You asked me about that. They yeah. will, yeah. Look at my reading going like that. Yeah, yeah. Get going. Yeah, go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. The very best in Irish music Keep with Paul Sullivan. Keep your seatbelt buckled and... What is it? What, what, what? You know, oh, what I say? Belt, yeah. What I say? Yeah. Wear your seatbelt, drive right. safely, and, and be good to your car. Bye bye. Talk to you all next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. See ya. <laughs> WROL Boston, home of the Irish Hit Parade, Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. A service of Salem Media Group.